All right, welcome to the Sports Ethos Los Angeles Chargers podcast, Wild Card Edition to Divisional Weekend. How are you guys doing? I got Shane and Brandon with me. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. How about yourself? We're good. not doing bad, I don't think. I think we're pretty good so far. Yeah. I'm having my flu game. My flu game's tonight. Yeah, so. I was just going to say that Brandon's <laughs> running with the flu. So, But uh, he doesn't want to miss this because uh, I, I got a heavy oh, no, rant. No. I got we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, including um, Brandon's aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles, or I guess before mentioned. Anyway, before we get to all that and my rant over Brandon, the show, Brandon just likes us that much. <laughs> uh, you have no idea. Any anytime I can get on here and have you know some sort of normalcy in my life, even when I'm sick or having a bad day, this is where I go. So hell yeah, hell <laughs> yeah. same same. Fair all right, so before we talk about all that stuff. We have our new pod theme that we're debuting on this episode, choreographed by our very own Shane Hansen. Uh, Shane, talk about talk about the theme, man. We we, we kind of I kind of called you on a whim and said, "Hey, we need a new podcast theme," and uh, we got one. We got a pretty dandy one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never heard the term choreographed used for a music piece, but I like <laughs> it. Um, okay, wait, would it be composed? <laughs> composed would be the right word. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, no, I, I so <laughs> I didn't compose this. This was uh, originally done by a buddy of mine, and he posted it on Instagram a few months ago. And uh, originally, it was just him playing lead guitar with a drum track. And uh, I was like, "Oh, that totally sounds football-y. football-y? That's not yeah, a word. yeah. That that, um, that was my that was enough. my that was my requirements. Was it had to sound like football?" Yeah, and so, so I just I took that and I added some more guitar, added a little bass, and mixed it all together. And um, I was like, "Yeah, this is pretty sick." So, uh, yeah, and the, you know, guys seem to like it. So, uh, here we are. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Hope you guys enjoy that for the rest of the season and into the off season. All right, rant time. Here we go. I'm pissed off. I am I am vehemently pissed off at NFL owners today. What the hell are you all doing? Wh- what are you guys doing? Jerry Jones, what the hell are you doing? Wh- uh, what the hell is uh, Jeffrey Lurie doing? What the hell are you guys doing? Wh- what in God's name are you guys doing? Are you guys this dumb? Are you guys this stupid? I don't like listen, Shane, Brandon, I think you might agree with me and I realize this thinking about all the head coaches we have. Look, we got Belichick available, right? We got Harbaugh available. Both had interviews with... I Belichick had an interview with the Chargers. Actually, no, Harbaugh had an interview with the Chargers and the Falcons, and then uh, and then Belichick had one with the Falcons. So we got we got those two, right? Eric Bieniemy might get uh, promoted in Washington. Uh, Raheem Morris in L.A. Uh, ben Johnson in Detroit. Uh, Dan Quinn, say what you want. He's there. Um, there, there's more I'm forgetting. This is, am I wrong that this is the best crop of, of available coaches we've seen in a very long time? Oh, yeah. I would say probably almost ever. I mean, not ever, but you know what I mean? Like in terms of how long we've had a class like this, probably nearly ever. But go ahead. We always talk about I mean, we always talk about the 
you know, like the, the, the quarterback carousel or the, you know, some other position on the field this year, it's the coaching carousel. That's wild. Um, and it, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of things that happened for us to get here, but, uh, <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, but wh- but why are you so angry with the owners, Robert? I'm angry with the owners because how are you guys sticking with your head coaches? H- how, if you're Dallas, how are you sticking with Mike McCarthy? And I'm gonna make a claim here, right? Let me make it. Let me state a claim here. If I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna list. Uh, let's just presume that the Eagles' job and the Cowboys' job was open today. You know how I list the jobs right now? I'll give you guys my my top, let's say, what would be the right term? Like top three jobs right now? I'll, most I'll desirable. Give most desirable jobs. You know what's number one? Dallas Cowboys. A thousand percent. Yeah. By, yeah. by a mile, it's the most desirable job. And look, the reason why is very simple. If you're a Bill Belichick, if you're a... If you're a Jim Harbaugh, why would you not want to go to Dallas? Not just because if you're Belichick, if you're a Harbaugh, that roster's ready to win a Super Bowl. Say what you want about Dak. Say what you want about that offense. Say what you want about that defense struggling in minorly at the beginning end of the season. They they were pretty good, but you know, towards the end there was rough. How how is that job? How how do you not look at that roster? How do you not look at that job and say, oh, I get to coach the Dallas Cowboys? I make more money off the field than I do as a head coach. What the hell? And and you're telling me that you're going to put Hot Tub Boy back in there? What what are we doing? <laughs> especially after especially after the abomination we saw on Sunday. How can you tell me? And by the way, you know, here's another thing that I realized as well. Th- this is basically what Jason this is basically where Jason Garrett was in his fourth year in Dallas. Before he got fired, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they just made wild card divisional, wild card divisional, kept losing, and Jerry was like, "I need someone else. Let's go get Mike McCarthy." I'm gonna be real with you guys. How is this any different? How how is this any different than what we had with Jason Garrett? It's almost it's almost the same crap. And you're saying you want another with year, Mike McCarthy? Well, with, with Mike McCarthy, they won more in the regular season. That's probably what he's thinking. But that plus plus you had a plus you had a ring already too from before. So, well, right. yeah, and and I I'm not I'm not disregarding the Mike McCarthy hiring at the time. I agreed with the hiring at the time from what I can remember. I could be wrong, but what I'm saying is right now you're going into what is this year four year five of him being the head coach in 2024. How are you, Jerry Jones, and watching what you have the last four years? And yes. They've been great in the regular season, but the results are still the same. How are you watching this and going, Mark McCarthy is the guy that should lead us in 2024? I don't understand that. And going to where, where I think you'll have input, Brandon, how do you look at what the Eagles did this year and tell me you want to keep Sirianni? I, I, how do you look at that last seven, eight weeks and say, oh, look, look, Harbaugh's out there. Oh, look, Belichick's out there. Oh, look, Ben Johnson's out there. It would be a great fit in Philadelphia. I, I mean, I, look, I'm mostly pointing my finger at, at these two teams because Seattle made the right decision getting rid of Pete Carroll. Washington made the right decision getting rid, rid of Riverboat Ron, who I think is going to be a great DC somewhere this year. Um, Carolina, I think, ultimately made the right decision. I, I, 
there there's more that I uh, the Chargers obviously made the right decision. We've spoken about that at length. I think almost every team that has a has a, Atlanta made the absolute right decision, and there's heavily an interest in Atlanta for good reason because Arthur Blank's a pretty good owner, and that roster has some talent on it. Even though I think it's a rebuild, every team that fired their head coach said. In any other year, and, and before I go to you, Brandon, with Philly, like if you're Seattle, right? In any other year, you can make a real case that Pete Carroll should have, like, probably would have been best staying. This year, I absolutely not, considering the talent that's there. But, like, that's kind of my point. Like, a lot of teams, even teams that felt comfortable with their coaches, even coaches that are Hall of Famers and Bill Belichick, they're just like, yeah, it's time to move on. And it's the right time with the crop of coaches. And I think Dallas and Philly both are making horrible mistakes sticking with their head coach. Brandon, your thoughts, since you're kind of in the loop here with the NFCs, particularly Philly. You know, it's like I, I was stunned by both decisions because, I mean, looking at Mike like the Dallas Cowboys, it's been this cycle of, okay, either you make a wild card game and you get, you get embarrassed or you make the divisional and get embarrassed and that's it. This team hasn't been to an NFC championship game in forever. And it hasn't changed with Mike McCarthy, despite him having a, you know, a Super Bowl ring, which, I mean, really, he didn't win that. Aaron Rodgers won that for him. And then they had a great team around him. So, you know, that that was kind of, to me, smoke and mirrors. Because um, we saw how Mike McCarthy's tenure in Green Bay ended. It wasn't great. So, you know, it when you get to now, you fast forward, what? This is, you know, once again, another four years into Dallas, basically. It's like, okay. So, you know, here we are. Same thing again. You're wild card division or bust. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's like they'll, they'll, look, at, they'll look at Dak having a career year and CD having a, a career year. And they'll look at that, you know, those kind of things and be like, oh, well, you know, if we can just get, you know, better defensively, which because their defense absolutely just crapped the bed uh, against the Packers, um, you know, they'll look at that and be like, hey, as long as we get a new maybe defensive coordinator, maybe things will work out. But even so, but Mike McCarthy is still responsible for, for these decisions, and he's still responsible for this team, just like under Jason Garrett, still responsible for going basically one and done in the playoffs. And it's – it's so that was just shocking right away. And then to see literally within the same time frame, like what, five minutes apart from each other maybe, that hearing that, oh, the Eagle – well, it's not official yet. It's official with Dallas. It's not – it's close to official with Philly, but it's not official yet because – it's there's still some I, I, there's reports that he hasn't met with Sirianni hasn't met with uh, Jeffrey Lurie yet. He only met with Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman gave him the ultimatum of get better coordinators or be fired. So it's not official, although it looks like it's going to be that he's here to stay. And if and if and the thing is, if he's here to stay, you basically handcuff yourself because now the and this is why I said the only way he stays is is through this way. Make him go get offensive coordinators, an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator that are actually going to bring this team success. But not just that, you have to strip him of any offensive responsibilities on game day. The only thing that Nick Sirianni should be doing, and that's even pushing it at this point, is you know little management decisions. Basically, who starts and who gets put on the the inactive list, and then basically who. Um, more or less, uh, you know, whether or not to go for a fourth down, like the game crunch time decisions. Other than that, I don't want him to, I don't want anything to do with him on this team next year. And the problem is now with all the available coaches you have, like 
So you're not going to get a head coach. Problem is all the coaches that are available all want to be head coaches. So who's going to want to come here because they have to go under you and you're a complete failure. Like I, I hate the people that say, Oh, well, the Eagles are not going to fire a head coach that, you know, that, that has made the playoffs, you know, all three years of his coaching tenure and, and has, you know, has a super Doug Peterson. Doug yeah, Peterson. But they fired. But they got rid of Well, Philly's well, done they, this. They, they yeah. Well, they, they fired them after having really bad seasons. But this, even though you were 11 and six, you were 10 and one. This is still a bad season, regardless of the record. So, you know, when I, when I look at that, I'm like, Okay, like, and, you know, I see people are on literally, and I've been screaming at Eagles Twitter about this. They're like, oh, you don't fire a head coach that does that. I'm like, but it's not him. If you look at when they when they had him first in 2021, the team started what two and five, and it was it was all his play calling and all his decisions. And then what did he do? He turned it over to Shane Steichen. What did Shane Steichen do? Got them to nine and eight. So literally, got them to what? How many how many wins is that? That's a seven and three record, rest of the season. And got them into the playoffs with a really bad roster outside of a, and a young Jalen Hurts. Got them to the playoffs again, and then they, they got massacred against well Tom Brady, but that that's Tom Brady. Um, and you look at last year, Shane Steichen, they rolled over with him calling the plays. What happened? You were the best team of football outside of the, you know Kansas City was the better team of Super Bowl, but you were the best team of football basically the entire season. And then you go into this season, okay, those guys are gone. What happens? Sirianni decides to promote. Not not Howie Roseman, not Jeff Lurie. Nick Sirianni had the biggest hand in it. Decides to promote Brian Johnson, who was only Jalen Hurts' best friend and quarterback coach. Other than that, he never had a real coaching position outside of high school football and some and some experience in college. But that's not enough when you're in the NFL and the only thing you do is, you know, you're Jalen Hurts' best friend. Otherwise, he wouldn't be here. And so you've decided to promote him. And you go get Sean Desai. Sean Desai, I was fine with at the time, but we saw how that worked it's just it was just jonathan gannon times two except even jonathan gannon wasn't this bad so it, it, actually, gannon. it actually got yeah it got worse well the thing is last year they had more they had more talent on the on the d-line and javon hargrave made up for that but you know and they were able to, and the thing is they rotated guys more this year they didn't rotate guys a lot on the defensive line they they still did but not to what we are usually normally seeing from philly also i if there's a one besides nick Sirianni, the one person i want to blame for this is howie roseman that's poor roster construction you basically let most of your defense walk in the offseason and you didn't replace them with anybody you didn't replace the linebackers with anybody same with the safeties. the safeties with anybody. yeah i was just gonna say you same with the nothing. safeties <laughs> yeah, and then, and then at the time, it seemed like a good idea to extend, you know, to basically give Bradbury and Slay their their money. But look how that turned out. I don't, I don't want to hear that Darius Slay had a good season. He had what two picks in one game. Other than that, he was invisible. I mean, listen, his coverage numbers are, are decent, but still, there was plenty of games where it was like third and fifteen, third and twenty. He's getting burned for a first down, and then the drive ends up in a touchdown. So I don't want to hear that Darius Slay had a good season because he when it, situationally he stuck, and Bradbury was worse. So, you know, I, that goes on Howie Roseman too. So. But Nick Sirianni just he can't like I'm just not a fan of him staying. I don't care what people say. The only reason the team made the playoffs was because they had a ten and one start this year, and the other two teams was because of Shane Steichen. Other than that, it has this is this wasn't Nick Sirianni's team. This was Shane Steichen's team for a year and a half. Other than that, this was a complete collapse, and then they started two and five in the first season. So outside of Shane Steichen, where do you see anything impressive from Nick Sirianni? On top of that, they got him from, from Indiana, right? They got him from Indianapolis. What did he do in Indy that was so great? That was Frank Reich's team that made the playoffs. 
Those were his play calls. Nick Sirianni had, yeah, but well, he did get fired. But you know, but also remember, remember when Andy Reid first came to, to to Kansas City, who was on his staff? Nick Sirianni. He fired him immediately. That's already a red flag. So he's been fired from there. In Indy, he had no hand in calling the plays. So why the hell was he even? Man? And then the thing is, uh, his press conference when he came to Philly was terrible. So if these things were all happening along the way, why did you hire him as a head coach in the first place? And now we've gotten to this point where the team has collapsed. So it's why is he still here? Why? I don't understand this. Like, there's no reason to keep him. I don't care. He, uh, the people on social media, I don't care about the 40-year-old neckbeards who want to <laughs> yell at me. <laughs> who who want to yell at me that, oh, you don't fire head coach after three playoff appearances. doesn't matter. He didn't win the Super Bowl. That That's partially on him. And then, you know, and then having a, a you know, a bad roster decisions this year. And then having to rely on Shane Steichen which it basically, like I said, was his team for a season and a half. And we saw how that turned out. Those were Shane Steichen's two playoff appearances, not Nick Sirianni's. So, but between them and between Dallas and those two teams are going to be battling for the NFC East again next year. It's going to, I almost think it's going to be the exact same repeat of this year. What's going to change? What is really going to change? I don't see anything changing, especially if they don't strip, if they don't strip either one of those coaches of their decision-making overall. So, yeah, and, and and just to finish up, my ranking of the jobs, Cowboys, Eagles, and then Chargers. But Shane, your thoughts on Philly and Dallas saying no to new coaches? Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as the ranking of the jobs, I think Philly would be like fourth for me at the moment um, because they they've kind of... Well, it's a couple of problems. I mean, first of all, a lot of their good players are older, getting older, and and or free agents that might be leaving. Um, and it's just, like Brandon was saying, it's kind of a, a mess right now with <laughs> the situation they've backed themselves into. Um, I, I, I mean, yeah, the the... The Cowboys, I more understand why they are sticking with McCarthy. I don't agree with it. I wouldn't be doing it, but to me, it's more understandable uh, just because they have, I mean, I think he has been a little bit of an improvement over Jason Garrett. A little bit. (laughs) Um, You know, but... I think you could do better. Uh, I mean, that's that's no secret. Um, but Philly, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I I don't understand why they hired him in the first place. And um, you know, even I mean, Robert, you remember when they hired him, and you know that season we were looking at all the different uh, head coaching hires and uh we thought dan campbell was kind of weird and then <laughs> and then we saw sirianni we were like oh my and, uh, and by the way the funniest part about that is probably dan campbell was the best hire of that hiring cycle <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably yeah yeah he yeah um in any case 
I, yeah, I mean, just right from that opening press conference, I was like, this guy's such an idiot. What what are we doing here? Um, but then, you know, like the whole Steichen thing happened and I, like everyone else, got googly eyes like, oh, well, yeah, this guy's great, actually. <laughs> but now I'm like, wait, <laughs> hold on. Um, and yeah, it's I, I just I, I don't understand why they want to keep him around when you have all these other guys on the market who are way more qualified. And not to mention, he, it's, it's bizarre to me because from what I heard and have heard, you know, from like what Joe Buck and Drakeman said in the broadcast and, you know, different kind of insider sources, what they said when they talked to Eagles players at the Tampa game before it started, you can just tell that Sirianni has lost that locker room. And even if they, you know, get some great coordinators that save his job or whatever, it's going to be difficult to repair that because, you know, they... These guys were all here to witness the downfall, you know, and they and they're not going to forget that. Uh, So I yeah, I I think there are so many guys that are way more desirable and who would do a much better job. Um, You know, I. I, Again, I think they should (laughs) promote a change tag (laughs) and. But um, love that. you know, that's I, I would I would absolutely lose my mind if they would have done that in, a, in the best way possible. But you know, and now look, and now look what he's doing, there. and now look what he's doing in Indianapolis, and look what he's going to continue to do in Indianapolis. Right. Yeah, with the backup quarterback. Um. Yeah. So, anyways. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's, in my opinion, it's the the like the third or fourth most attractive coaching job. Um, And so, you know, you would attract some good candidates. I mean, this isn't the, this isn't the Panthers job or, you know, Washington where (laughs) you are like scraping by and they're just in total chaos. Um, You know, so, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand why they are thinking they should keep him, but what do I know? And you, yeah. can't, and you can't tell me for you, you can't tell me for either of these jobs that, or any of these jobs really, that it's like, you know, Harbaugh had his interview with the Falcons, right? It's like, okay, now it's like, but in Philly and in Dallas, you can't tell like Belichick, well, I don't want Belichick in Philly, but Belichick seems to fit Dallas because Dallas is a good defense, but it's like Belichick would be better for Dallas. You know, Harbaugh would be great for Dallas or Philly, or even even at this point, probably the Chargers, because the Chargers still have a great roster. Um, you know, it's like, you know, I, I wanted Vrabel as the next Eagles head coach because he has that rapport with A.J. Brown. I forgot about, I forgot about Rabel. Rabel's another great candidate who probably shouldn't have even been fired. There you go. And the thing is, too, he's like a Dan Campbell. He gets his players to play for him. Players love him. So, 
Like everybody looks at see now it's funny. They won't. It's crazy how nobody like how I haven't you know now all of a sudden hearing the Knicks are on his back and there's a bunch of Knicks are defenders. I'm like, why was nobody defending Mike Vrabel when he got kicked out of Tennessee when it wasn't his fault? When the GM literally stripped that team bare and left him with nothing except for Derrick Henry. Yeah. So Derrick so, Henry will not be a Tennessee Titan next year either. So there we go. Yeah. So I don't understand why people are are, giving, are so quick to say, oh, Vrabel's not that great of a coach. I'm like, oh, what did Tennessee have? Tennessee had had a peewee football roster outside of Derrick Henry. So, you know, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, he beat uh, – in case people forgot, he beat uh, Brady in New England in the playoffs. Uh, Baltimore, the one seed in Baltimore, and kept it close with Kansas City in the AFC Championship. As a six seed with Ryan Tannehill as the starting quarterback, just going to – Put that out there, but anyways, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> pretty straightforward there. Uh, before we finish up on the Eagles and the coaching changes, it's not official. Jason Kelsey has said that he'll take some time, but I, I think we can pretty much say that that retirement is pretty intimate at this point. Uh, Brandon, what what are your thoughts on a an illustrious Hall of Fame career for Jason Kelsey? You know, when I when I look at him, it's crazy. I, I've never, and it, this this sounds like such you know kind of like a uh, a kind of you know weak thing because you know the whole thing that men don't cry. It's like it's like you know w- women cry at a lot of things. You know, men aren't expected to cry at a lot of things. The last time I cried at a, at a at a retirement thing was when uh, was when Mariano Rivera retired for the Yankees, um, but. You know, but seeing Jason Kelsey walk away with tears in his eyes, you know, hugging his teammates and his family after the game, it's like, and, you know, he's been the Eagles, he's been the rock of that Eagles offensive line since I've been a kid, since I was 11 years old. So, you know, there was there was a time when people wanted to run him out of Philadelphia, and I, and I was like, no, the guy's a good center. You got to give him, you just he, he's growing into it. And then by the time he grew into it, here he is with the coming up with Pro Bowls and, and Super Bowls, and now he's become a Hall of Fame center. And it's like, you know, and all the things he does for the community, he's he's beloved in Philly. Like that guy. That, honestly, if he wants to run for mayor of Philadelphia, oh my God, he'll get it. <laughs> you can't tell me he won't get it. So wouldn't surprise me. You know, it's it's like one of those things where I I just look at him and I I can't thank him enough for everything he's given that team for for what thirteen seasons, and it's it's just it sucks that, you know, he decided to run it back, you know, the whole job's not finished thing, you know, hungry dogs run faster, all all these kind of things. And it just, it blew up right in front of his eyes. You could see like, as the weeks went on, especially late in the season, he was pissed. He was angry. He was upset, but he couldn't see, you know, he's not the kind of guy to, to call somebody out or say something. So, you know, it sucks that he, that he kind of went out this way. I mean, you know, and like we said, nothing's official, but I mean, I, I think at this point, you know, Kylie wants him home. The kids want him home. He, you know, he's expressed concerns over, you know, CTE. Cause as you get into your late thirties and if, and if you're, if you're lucky enough to play in your forties, a lot of like a lot of the players have CTE concerns and you're at higher risk once you get past 35 years old. So, you know, he's 36. I mean, I, I wouldn't come back if I was him, you know, what more, what more can you do? You want to ring your, Listen, I know people want to say, you know, this center, that center, but this is the greatest modern, at least modern center in NFL history. Um, you know, it'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And if there, honestly, if there was anything that, uh, you know, more than first ballot, he would get that too. Yeah, pretty you much. Know, there was something, 
Like, if, if, I, if like, honestly, if he can be put in tomorrow, he should be. Um, but, you know, it's just, it stinks that it ended the way it did. But you can't say enough about just the man he was, the football, the football player he, he was. And I shouldn't say was, still alive, but you know what I'm saying. You know, now that his career is over, it's... It's just, it's a, it's a sad day for Philly. You know, he, he did pay, he did handpick his replacement, Cam Jurgens, who hasn't been bad, but, and then, you know, but he had, he had his moments, especially in that Tampa game. He had a couple bad penalties, but you know, his natural position is center, not, not at the guard spot. So next year we'll see what he can really do, but you know, but also, you know, there's also that little hope. He did say, you know, on new heights, he did basically say that he was kind of a little bit pissed that the media had leaked, you know, that he was basically retired, even though he never said it. I mean, it's it's obvious that, that he probably will, but, you know, but if he's not saying it, who knows? He could be like Tom Brady and be like, I never said I retired. Screw you. I'm going to go play one more year and show you what I can do. So, you know, I remember, remember he's going out at the top of his game. So, I mean, I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see him keep going and, you know, to prove a point like Tom Brady did and fall off a cliff. So, you know, I mean, that's not him. He's not going to fall off a cliff. He's been consistent for how many years now, but it's just – because honestly, I still, I, I, and this is not just being an Eagles fan. This is just, I, I mean, when you talk about offensive lines, he could probably keep playing until he's forty before plus, he falls off a cliff. Forty plus, so, probably. So, so you know, yeah, he's he's just one of those guys that, you know, if if there was, and I know people want to say the heart and soul of those Eagles teams, those two Super Bowl teams, you know, the one that lost last year and the the winning team, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, it was, you know, Nick Foles's, you know, miracle run. It was, it was, you know. It was the the defense making plays at the right time when they needed to, or it was you know whatever it was. But it was Jason Kelsey. And Jason Kelsey, his determination, his the locker room leadership can't be can't be, you know, undersold. That his his locker room leadership is he's one of the best leaders the NFL has ever seen. Not just not just you know football player. Um, you know he's the one that's always willing to go to war with his guys, and he loved all the teammates he's played with. He always says that, you know, that he, if, if there was ever a model football player that you would ever want someone to look up to, you know, if there's a role model, it would be him. So, you know, I hope I can make it out to, I mean, listen, if, if this is the end, then I hope that I can be there, you know, to see him go in in Canton. Cause obviously, oh my God, you know, I'll be there. Um, I'm going to try to make it there, you know, depending on whatever life throws at me, but that that's a man that I will show up for. Cause I'll be old enough to get. I I could have I could have seen Brian Dawkins go in and all that stuff, but I'm you know I'm still I had no way of getting out there. I'm broke right now, but by the time Jason Kelsey goes in, I'll probably be in my late twenties. So, you know, hopefully I can get out there, go see him, and uh, but that's it. But man, what a career for arguably you know I'm not gonna say it, but arguably the greatest center in NFL history. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, Brandon will probably be out there covering that Hall of Fame induction. I would presume at that point, I would hope, yeah. but uh. Shane, uh, your thoughts on uh, on Kelsey's career? Yeah, I mean, you know, everything that everything Brandon said, <laughs> um, you know, you can tell in um, you know just in all of his like in videos you see of the locker room. You know, no matter who is a quarterback, you can tell that they've always rallied around him in all the videos and just everything you heard. And, um, I, you know, great player, but, um, you know, even better, even better guy off the field, you know, um, just 
doing so much for the community with his uh, autism foundation and um and i mean making a freaking christmas album for it you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean which you know i mean most guy which by the way um just quick side topic that's like most you know celebrities and you know when they do stuff for the community they're like oh you know i hear i'll just throw some money at it or whatever and then you know they just kind of go on with their day which is still great i mean hey that thank you that's great um but he says you know not only am i going to do that but i'm also going to make an entire freaking christmas album you know i'm going to yeah. learn how to sing and do, you know and <clears throat> and um yeah so just you know stuff like that and he seems to be a very good family man just based on what we've seen and heard <laughs> so um yeah you know whatever whatever he chooses to do um you know we'll always not as eagles fans but just as fans of the game we'll always be uh thankful for the work you put in and um you know it's just it's cool to be able to say that you watched the full career of you know a guy who was one of the best to ever do it so um yeah, yeah, yeah. that's 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 pretty much what i get yeah, I, I think for me, it's it's what you guys said, same. I, I think looking forward for him, I know, Brandon, you said a line coach. I, I'm sold on him as a broadcaster. I think I think what he did in that one boring-ass game for Amazon this year uh, was, oh, yeah. uh, was amazing. Uh, and, and obviously, he couldn't say a lot. They mostly asked him about, like, O-line play and this and that. But I think he would fit really well in the Amazon booth like it, not in the booth with uh with uh yeah. but not in the booth with uh with alan kurt but on the sidelines with uh with uh with the team with tony oh, with carissa i think with richard sherman with with ryan fitzpatrick i think he's a natural fit with them i think that would be really cool i think fox is gonna have a lot of interest in him as well fox is always wanting to get these guys and i there's there's rumblings about the future of fox nfl sunday so uh, who knows, right? Um, so that that's something to keep an eye on as well. I think he's an actual fit there. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think I just I really see him as a broadcaster, and I think he would and be he phenomenal was, at it. You know what's great too is that a lot of his uh, there's a couple of his former Eagles teammates that are already doing it, Michael Vick and LaShawn McCoy. So yeah, you know, at, at Fox, so, at Fox, by the way. So there you go. Yeah. So, you know, I, I honestly, I would love to see another, especially another, another, you know, but, but like, you know, listen, I love Michael Vick, I love Sean McCoy, but, but an absolute, like first bout Hall of Famer in Jason Kelsey, I would love to see him like really take on the big bright lights and do some broadcasting stuff. I think he would fit right in. I mean, listen, like, like you said, he, he turned that, 
boring game into a lot of fun and it, and it was it wasn't just him being funny or fun. He had a lot of insight. So it's he's he's worth it to me. I, I will, whatever he does, I'll be there for it. I, I don't care what it is. I'll follow just like the teammates will follow him in the battle. I'll follow that man in the battle the rest of my life. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I would love to see him as a broadcaster, I think one hundred percent. I think he I think he easily fits Fox. I think he easily fits what Amazon is doing. <laughs> Um, 100%. Um, and as we're getting into streaming services, before I talk about the Peacock game, which I'm sure we all have thoughts on that, um, Shane, I want to ask you about Tua. Because now Chatter's everywhere. He's, they got to sign him to a new deal. People are, like, concerned if he really has a future um, in Miami. Uh, you're, you're a quarterback guru. You watched this guy since college. Um, what have you seen? From him from from day one now in the nfl in an nfl career and are you i mean look the quarterback contracts off the wazoo i get that but if you're on miami are, are you keeping him moving forward well <laughs> i mean it depends on who you think you can get to replace him which I don't think is because much. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. My answer is yes, I would. But, like, who am I going to get right now that's better than him? I don't know. Um, I, I mean, he's... He's a great player. But in the cold, he is clearly not the same. Um, which is true of most guys, but, uh, with him, especially it's, it's very noticeable. (laughs) Um, and I just, I think, you know, especially in the AFC, you know, most of your games are played in like in the playoffs in January. You know, that's going to be Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore. Um, you know, name, <laughs> you name it. They're they're cold and they play outside, uh, well, at least for now. <clears throat> and um, so, I mean, you know, if you want to have regular season success, uh yeah, he's great. But come postseason, I don't know. I mean, it's just he's not he's not the I don't think he's the guy, but um but I, that's just me. Brandon, your thoughts? You know, I well, I, I want to speak for I won't speak for Sarish. But you know, I when it comes to the, the Dolphins and Tua, I just, I like Tua, but I'm on the same page as Shane. You know, who are you gonna get that's gonna really be better than him? I mean, you know, he had an MVP like season this year, despite you know his cold weather struggles. But you know, we say about a lot of quarterbacks. You know, if, you, if you, you know if you're not a cold weather quarterback, I mean, like what? Like Peyton Manning wasn't. He still won two rings, and he's considered one of the greatest ever. Um. You know, I, it's he's only, only twenty five. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw him away just yet. Um, no. Yeah, and so I, it's just it stinks because it's like it's it's 
I feel like, you know, next year is going to be the real tipping point. You know, it's like, okay, so if we don't give him a deal, because what, he has the fifth-year option, right? This is yes. year four. This will be the so, fi- next year will be the fifth-year option. And he's going to want yeah. an extension this offseason. Yeah, I think yeah. very easily he's going to want it. So, you know, it's just, it's tough because then, you know, and you know somebody out there, if he doesn't, if he doesn't get it and he decides to, if, if, this, if they both split, then you know that someone's going to give him a deal because it's got an MVP like season this year. But it's just, it's tough because the thing is, he fits that that system that Mike McDaniel runs. And honestly, like, let's be honest, he had a bad game, obviously, but, you know, a lot of that was on Mike McDaniel. That play calling was piss poor, period. Um, You can't be running your Miami-style offense in, in, you know, basically negative 10 degrees. So it just it just won't work, especially against a physical defense like, like Kansas City. That, that doesn't work. Um, you know, but running, running, you know, different kinds of motion plays on like second and fifteen is not the answer. Um, but it, it doesn't excuse Tua from all the bad throws he made during the game too. And it's just, you know, I, I think he has to stay just because just because of that. It's really just that, just that simple fact. They, who are you going to get a replacement? There's nobody on the market that's going to be better. So, you know, it's it's a tough spot to be in if you're a Dolphins fan because you know a lot of them love Tua, but a lot of them, you know it's kind of like that. Love hate thing. Yeah, he's great. You know, when when the games you know are not in the bright lights, but when the games are under bright lights and the you know especially especially in the cold, like you know look 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 at how he played in Philadelphia, Philly. You know they they shut him down. So you know that was in the cold. It's like this past game against Kansas City is in the cold. It's you know he's he's had well documented struggles in the cold. So you know. I think they bring them back, but it's just like, a, like we keep saying, it's the only reason is just that there's no one better. So, you know, I I still believe in him. And I mean, if he can just show something next year on a, maybe on a new deal, I mean, you know, there's always that chance that maybe he takes some sort of maybe team friendly or whatever it is. You guys see how that all shakes out. We're, we're, we're still, you know, we still got a couple weeks of playoffs yet before we even get to the real offseason stuff. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But as of right now, I mean, I think he has to stay, and you gotta figure out a way to work through his struggles with him, and then see what you got from there. I, I think what happened with Tua after that game on Saturday night was a massive reaction by everybody. I re- the more I think about it, because I'm really honest, and I don't think you guys felt—I don't think you guys or many people across the NFL kind of felt this way. I might have been one of the only people, but I almost felt like this was Tua's rookie season again. Because last year, the concussion, if you look at his career in a microcosm, the last, I guess, year and a half, two years, the concussions ruined his season last year. It was horrible. The guy was basically considering retirement heavily. And so it's almost like he had to hit a reset button. He had to mentally change everything he was doing. I mean, hell, he flipping did boxing and MMA in the offseason to know how to fall. I mean, no quarterback knows how to. No, no quarterback normally does that after a season. But to me, it's like, okay, this is an overreaction. This is a Miami Dolphins team that I think is still very young under Mike McDaniel. Now, the question of contract is a very big question because I think no matter what, it has to get done this offseason. What's the value? What's the money? 
What does it look like? I think that matters a lot, but we're going to get there probably in June or July or August, I would presume. We're a long way away from that. But yeah, it's hard for me to think of something better. And it's hard for me to think of something better that fits Mike McDaniel's system. I think this is just an overreaction. Yeah, he's really bad in the cold. I get it. But like, I don't know. Like this year, I wasn't expecting much from Tua. I was expecting us to have a conversation of if Tua is even a franchise quarterback after last year. So like, and I that was, and that's just based solely on injury concerns that we had going into the year, which was the biggest topic of conversation for us with Miami going into the year. So I'm comfortable with it, but it, it's really going to be dependent on the contract. Uh, what I'm not comfortable with is the Peacock um, experience stream. We uh, quote unquote streamed it. I know that, um, but I, so definitely the, legally. Yep. The, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, look, the so the Peacock thing is, uh, I think, is a really important thing for us to discuss now that it's over. Um, not only because, and I was very trying to be very vigilant in looking at what were people's experiences, number one. What was our experience with the broadcast, even, just from a just from a standpoint of, you know, what is the broadcast, right? And then, yeah, just from a standpoint of, like, how reliable is, is a streaming service to function as an NFL product? And I think Amazon, uh, for the first month, of that contract, that was rough. Uh, that was a pretty rough time. But they kind of figured it out rather quickly. And I'll be, I'll be honest, the reality of the situation with Amazon is a little different than a Peacock, a Netflix, a Hulu, a Disney Plus, which is Hulu and Disney Plus are going to merge, right? Like, whatever. Uh, Paramount Plus. It's different because Amazon has... Amazon Prime, we all have Amazon Prime. The reason we all have Amazon Prime is not for football. It's for, oh, I get my packages two days early. Oh, I get deals. Oh, I get that. Like, it's bigger <laughs> It's bigger than just watching football, right? So a lot of people have Amazon Prime. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. I pay it out of my pocket. My parents use it because I also enjoy it to watch football and whatever else. But, like, that's a little different because Amazon Prime or Prime Video is a streaming service in of itself through a massive whatever else is on Amazon, which is basically everything. And then you look at, I think let's just stick with Peacock here. You look at Peacock and you're like, okay, $5.99 a month. And, you know, people are like, oh, it's basically just a cup of coffee. I I hate when people say that because it it's not for me. It, it's just not, and like I don't think it is for the average American household. I five ninety nine a month, or five ninety nine even for one football game. It's it, it, it's it's the principle of that to me. It's the idea that on Peacock you're not there's not much content other than okay maybe you're a Premier League fan, you're a WWE fan. Sure, that's a little different. Because you have all that stuff right there at your fingertips. If if the NFL does this, and this is kind of where I'm going with this, I guess, um, is that there, there's not much content outside of everything else. But look at where the streaming market is going, right? Of, okay, number one is these, these companies are willing to overpay 
massively for a product. F1, the F1 contract is expected to be over $2 billion. When the market value is about maybe $850 million for uh, Apple TV Plus to, to get Formula One here in the U.S., uh, uh, MLS was about a billion. I would argue that evaluation is something around $600 million. Um, the NF Peacock, NBC Universal, paying for one playoff game at $110 million. A playoff game is not worth $110 million. It's just not. I, and like, they're going to overpay, and then the owners of these leagues are going to be like, look, they're just giving us the money. But then what are you sacrificing? You're sacrificing fans. You're sacrificing the consumer product not being as good, which it was not. The Peacock stream was not good on Saturday from from everything I looked at. It was terrible uh, in terms of people's internet connections and things of that nature. But yeah, some of it's internet connection. Some of it's just the stream of shit. Um, but like, but then, and then you start kind of rolling your head about, sorry if this is a bit long-winded, but I'll, I'll get to a point here. If you're going to look at the next 10 years, if you look at the next 8 to 10 years of the NFL's contractual obligations with CBS and Fox primarily it's a 10 year contract with an opt out at a 6 years why is the opt out at 6 years because at 6 years Netflix is going to come calling you know like Netflix is going to come calling Peacock's going to come calling all these companies are going to start calling and then you're going to have to fork up almost $200 a month for the NFL and that's what scares me about this Peacock thing. I, I don't want to pay $200 a month to watch the NFL. And I think over the next five to 10 years, that's where we're getting at. And that's where my concern is with this. It's like the NFL prides itself on being a product that you, Shane, you, Brandon, myself, a casual fan, can, I have cable, I have antenna, here's Fox, here's CBS, Here's, you know, here's all these channels where I can watch these games. And then if you want to pay for extra red zone, which is an incredible product, I pay 18 weeks of red zone. Cause I get 18 weeks of that. Not one game. I get all the games every Sunday for whatever, 18 weeks. We're coming to a place where that accessibility for the NFL as a product might not be there in five to 10 years even though the NFL says their mission is to make it accessible. But money talks. Money beats accessibility. And that's where I'm very concerned after this Peacock game. Shane, Brandon, your guys' thoughts on kind of my perspective on what we saw on Saturday with the game on Peacock? I mean, it seems like nobody really has cable these days. That's like under the age of 50. <laughs> that is so, true, yeah. Um, I mean, I already have all the streaming services anyway, so to be honest, I really don't care. I mean, if, if the game's on, I'll watch it. Like, you know, I mean, to me, it, I don't really think about it. But I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. You know, I, well, as somebody who's kept cable, at least in, in one room in my house, in my living room, um, I mean, honestly, I, you know, I, 
technically, if you're, if you're going to cut cable and you want to do streaming stuff, if you have Verizon, like you do like the whole Verizon, like Fios TV thing, and you just get the app on your TV, and then you pay a lot less per month to still watch CBS and Fox uh, in real time, you know, for these football games. So it's actually a better deal. But I mean, not just in football. I mean, I'm going to get a little bit, you know, kind of just societal here, you know, economic, but that's the way things are going for everything these days. It's, it's only yeah. going to get worse. You know, it's like, listen, I know people like streaming services, but if you're going to be, if they're going to be dividing up the sports stuff and dividing up your TV shows and dividing, like by the time you end up paying for all these streaming services, it's going to be as much, if not more than, than what cable is now. That's, anyway. that's the point I'm trying to say. You're basically going to pay 200 bucks a month to watch the NFL, which is yeah, way more than so, you're paying for cable. Yeah. So, but, uh, but unfortunately, you know, people are going to pay it. And then people are going to go on social media and call the people broke and laugh at them. And it's like, no, it's like, that's unfair to people. Cause it's like, that's not, that's not affordable. Like, and the thing is, you know, this is what happens. Say, listen, say what you want about our economic system, but that's what capitalism, the American dollar is all about, you know, sucking the life drive people. But I mean, you know, it just, it stinks that, you know, when it comes to the, to the NFL, I don't want to have to watch a game on Peacock. I don't want to have to keep watching. Like, I think the thing is, it's going to become a reality. It's already a reality because it's already here. Amazon, I mean, Amazon Prime has its, you know, flaws and things like that. But it's, you know, but that's here now. You know, Hulu now has live sports. And God, if I ever forget that that term, it was beaten into my head by Jalen Hurts this whole season. <laughs> um, but, but. Uh, but you know, and also and like Giannis before him and all those guys. But, but I got to mention my quarterback because that's that's all I saw for commercials this year was Jalen Hurts doing Hulu stuff. Um, but you know, it, it stinks that we have to live kind of just like that, where it's like, man, the NFL. Like it's the thing is, these sports leagues are no longer just games. They are products. They are money makers. They are they are full fledged upscale high businesses. It's no law. It's no. It's not a game. You know, how many times do we say it? You know, when players want new contracts, this is a business. It's not a game. It's a business. So as long as there's money to be made, as long as there's people willing to, you know, pay for it, you know, as people, as the old saying goes, there's an ass for every seat. So even though it's going to be unaffordable, that's 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 okay because the rich people that have money that can afford to keep, you know, just dropping a boatload of money on football, you know, in the next five to ten years, they'll be the ones paying for it. And the NFL will just get richer. So, you know. It stinks because eventually you're just phasing out pretty much everybody else that wants to watch it. But, you know, that's that's the price you pay. So it's just it stinks. It's not fair. But like, you know, what other way can you really combat it at this point? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what the. No, go ahead. I no, I, and that that's kind of but that's kind of my thing is like I I feel. I. The way I the the way I also want to frame this, and I think this is really important here, because the reality is you're you're flaunting these peacock numbers, right, and saying, look at all these people that streamed it, look at all these people that bought this, while continuing to say you are a cable first, fan first product. The deals with Fox, CBS, and NBC are that example. Of look, you get to watch your favorite team. You get to watch your local games. You get to watch the most important games. It's right there accessible to you. And that has been the NFL's mission for as long as at least I've been alive. Because all the games that I've ever seen are on Fox, CBS, or NBC my whole life. If these games become... If, if you're going to flaunt these numbers, 
while still saying you're accessible. I it's just it, it's it's hypocritical, and that's where I'm having an issue with it. You're putting a playoff game in a place where people can't see it. Now, look, people found their ways, I guess, but like, I don't want to have to do that for every playoff game. I don't think everyone wants to do that for every playoff game. And then you're you're still taunting the fact that you are the most accessible product. You're the most accessible sport, and that's been the difference with the NFL that 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 I don't think enough people understand. The NFL, you get an antenna on the roof of your house. You have CBS, Fox, and NBC. You have all three networks. You have ABC now for Monday Night Football. You have the local channels. You can watch football. There you go. NBA doesn't have that. You got to get cable for TNT and ESPN. MLB doesn't have that. You got to get cable. You got to get MLB Network. NHL doesn't have that. You got to get ESPN. You got to get ESPN+. Plus. The NFL is still the most accessible product for a fan. And I feel like as that fades away, it's going to become harder for people to just enjoy sports in general, but especially the NFL. What do you mean a multi-billion dollar corporation got greedy and lied to us? Oh, no. Yeah. Um, Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I just. I just, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no, no. It's but the thing is, yeah, you're ki- you're kidding, no, but it's though. true. I agree. You're kidding, but it's true, and that's why I brought this up. Yeah. I know it is a it, it is annoying, and uh, yeah, uh, I could go on for years about all the problems I have with the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Yet, us being the suckers we are, so like, yay, we love football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that being said, uh, also Jason Garrett being on this broadcast, what are you guys doing here, man? He was the most (laughs) monotone thing. Anyway, um, he's not a very good broadcaster, at least in the booth. I like him. I like him with uh, Maria Taylor in the game. I think he's really good there and the booth. No, I'm good there. Um, but let's talk some more, uh, on the field football. I'm going to give you guys three teams. Tell me how they win their playoff games. Texans, Packers, Bucks. Brandon, go. How do, how do you think each of these three teams find a way to win their playoff games? When it comes to the Texans, simple. C.J. Stroud. <laughs> C.J. Like, Stroud's going to have to ball against a, against a really good defense. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty simple. I mean, you know, he's basically put that team on his back this year. Uh, he's making all the right throws. He's he's literally, you know, he's been uh, perfect. What else can you say? Um, Packers, Packers. I mean, all, honestly, the Packers are almost in a, in a similar spot. But I think I think with them, it's not so much Jordan Love, even though I'm, I would say that's part of it. Their defense needs to needs to slow down San Fran's just the whole entire offensive scheme. Uh, you know, it's easier said than done, obviously, because look at all the weapons that they have. But, I mean, you know, you still have, you know, Jair Alexander. You st- so, you know, you know he'll he'll be making plays. He has to, especially if this team wants to hang in this game and have any chance of winning it. Uh, but they got to they gotta really, really hang in there defensively. They can't they can't come out and get, you know, get down like 14 nothing or else that game is over already. So, you know, <clears throat> for them, it's a little bit of Jordan Love and defense, but. More so defensively, even though Jordan, even though, and then Jordan Love has to obviously not make mistakes against a really good defense. Um, and then Bucks, Bucks. I think it's funny. I, it's funny how we kind of went in order there. I went quarterback, and then quarterback plus defense. And now I'm going to say for Bucks, defense. 
because, because, you know, Detroit, high-powered team. Uh, Another team, like, where, you know, offensively, because, listen, Baker Mayfield is not at the level of where Jordan Love is right now. But Baker Mayfield is a veteran. He can still make plays. He's had a nice comeback season this year. But right now, right as of right now, Jordan Love is still better. Um, But I – I think for them, it's going to be their defense. Uh, you know, if they can kind of, you know, if they can get consistent pressure like they did against Philadelphia, which let's be honest, that wasn't hard for any team to do this season. Um, but if they can get consistent pressure on golf and golf is not a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts is. Um, so if you can get pressure on him, make the throws hard, you might be in for a good game there. But if you can't get to him defensively and if, you know, if the coverage breaks down, you have you have guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, Sam Laporta, Montgomery and Gibbs in the backfield, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. So it's you know, they have guys around all around that field that can make plays. Um and you're on the road, mind you. And well all those teams are all those all those all those three teams are, but you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're in cold Detroit on the road. Yeah. Which they play oh, in a well, dome. <laughs> they play in a dome. <laughs> Yeah. Like, we, uh, God, yeah, what a like, dumb reporter. I, 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 listen, every time I hear that, I'm like, I, I'm I, like, Todd Bowles' reaction is hilarious. I'm sorry, I was scared that I was gonna come up because I didn't want to like flame the reporter, but like I knew it was gonna come up at some point. God dang it! But you know what's crazy about that? It happens every year to at least one of these teams where a reporter asks, "Oh, how are you gonna deal with a cold weather environment?" And it's like, well, they play in a I dome. Mean, they play in a dome. Most of, the teams, most of these teams that are in the Midwest in the North play in a dome. You know, <laughs> Vikings Especially dome. In the NFC. Detroit, yeah, Vikings dome. Detroit dome. You know, it's like even Dallas technically has a dome. If anybody wants to go there, um, even outside the North, but still NFC. You know, so it's. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, I hate that, that that question always comes up every year and we laugh about it every year and the same mistakes keep getting made every year by basic, you know, these are just basic reporting things. It's like, how do you not understand this? So, um, so here's here's how I understand dome versus not dome as a as an NFL person. It's very simple. If the weather forecast is plastered for a week on my Instagram feed and my NFL feed every day, then they don't play in a dome. If it's not plastered everywhere, then they play in a dome. It's very simple. Like, <laughs> like it's it's yeah. very simple. Um, Shane, your thoughts on Texans, Packers, Bucks, and how you think they might get it done as underdogs this week? Yeah, you know, Texans, I think, have, of all these teams, have the biggest challenge ahead of them. Um not that they can't do it, but it's just, you know, I think they are the, I think of those three teams, they are the weakest and they're going against the best team um, of all those three. So, yeah, I mean, like Brandon said, obviously Stroud is going to have to have the game of his life. But I think also, you know, defensively, for Houston, if you can, if you can contain Lamar Jackson, and when I say that, I'm I mean, um, I don't mean like put pressure on him because you know he can run around or whatever. But if you have guys in the back end who can sort of limit his runs, uh, that's going to be key because I think that 
Houston's secondary matches up pretty well with Baltimore's receivers. And so, you know, then you just are kind of left with, like, the middle of the field, like the linebackers who, it's like, well, all right, you know, can you guys <laughs> help us out here? Um, and, you know, try and neutralize. <laughs> neutralize sounds like he's a enemy in war or something. Um, <laughs> keep him at bay. There we go. Um, that's going to be key. Green Bay, I mean, it's... I think the biggest thing for them is obviously offensively, yeah, they're going to have to go all out. But, you know, we've seen a few times now how to beat Purdy. Uh, and that's called pressure from the pass rush. If they can get a consistent pass rush going against them, which... I think this defensive line absolutely could. Uh, he is going to have a long day, <laughs> Birdie, because let's be honest, the right side of San Francisco's offensive line is not amazing. Um, you know, obviously Trent Williams is incredible, um, and as well as their center is, is pretty good. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but... Uh, but on the right side, it's kind of like, eh. And, you know, you got, like, Kenny Clark, <laughs> Preston Smith, different edge rushers that can get over there. And, um, and you know, I think their secondary is pretty capable of maybe not shutting down uh, San Francisco's weapons, but at least keeping up with them, I guess. So, you know, I think ultimately it's going to come from the pass rush. How can they, how can they limit them? And, um, or, and same thing with Tampa, you know, can you get pressure on Goff? Because when he has time, he is very dangerous. Um, but when, when he's rushed and flustered, uh, it's not great. And, you know, they have the guys up front to be able to do that. It's just that, you know, Detroit's offensive line is really good. So that'll be, I feel like that's going to be the game this week. That's really one in the trenches uh, of any of the four. Not that the others won't be, but that one especially is, there's a lot riding on that. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I mean, I think Tampa will be able to score somewhat easily against this Detroit defense, but it's just a matter of can when they slow down Detroit, um, which they certainly could, but you know, we'll we'll see. All right, let's go. Guess the lines, wild or divisional round edition. Uh. Texans Ravens guess the line for ESPN bet. Ravens minus seven. I was gonna say it's gotta be a lot. Ravens are home. Uh, better defense right now, the better quarterback. Um, just based on history, and obviously this is Strad's rookie season, so uh 
I got it. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, it's about right. I'll, I'll go one last. I'll say Ravens minus six. Ravens minus nine. Wow. That's a little bit much, I think. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> yeah, that's a little... I think that's a little high, but... What do I know? Packers, Niners, guess the line. Oh, Lord. Niners minus 10. That's got to be close to double digits. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's above 10. Uh, I'll say Niners might. Actually, I'll... Once again, I'll go one last. I'll say Niners minus nine. Ding, 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 ding. Niners minus nine. Brandon. That's, uh, that's oh, pretty yeah. good. My God, I'm nice. just nailing it this year. <laughs> this year is my greatest year ever. Uh, all right. Bucks Lions to open up Sunday in Detroit. <laughs> that's got to be Lions minus. Lions minus four. Wow. Ooh. Ooh. You're keeping it close. Interesting. No, I, I think, I mean, listen, the Bucks, the, the scores that they, that, they, that they blew up, Philly, but they really didn't. They're still not that good. And on the road, Detroit Detroit gets loud. Uh, you know, they believe. Uh, they, have, they have way, they have way more talent. Like, if we thought that Philly had more talent than the Bucks, Detroit's got way more talent than the Bucks do. I think that's got to, that's got to be a lot. But I'm going to say... Mm. I will say I don't want to go double digits. I think double digits is a little much, but I'll say Lions minus eight. Lions minus six and a half. Wow. Oh, we're right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, before we do the line for Chiefs Bills, guys, give me your thoughts on uh, the rematch this time in Buffalo. Patrick Mahomes' first true road game. Shane, you go first. I just want the Bills to win, damn it. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, but no, all, all, all kidding aside. Well, no, that's not kidding. Um, all, um, all humor aside. There we go. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I mean, th- this is a... I feel like these guys are I wouldn't say they're the two best quarterbacks in the AFC. I mean they might be, but um not like this year but just in general. But I, to me these two is going head to head is like the most classic quarterback rivalry currently in the AFC. Um, just because they have had such classic games. And, you know, I know that Burrow has also kind of been in the mix there. And he's, him and Mahomes had two... AFC championships against each other and they were really close and yeah, yeah. But the Bills Chiefs games always seem like they're these wild shootouts and it's just nuts. Um, whereas, you know, the Bills bang or the, the Chiefs Bengals games were kind of, eh, you know, just like 20 points or whatever kind of defensive battles. Um, and yeah, it's. 
I'm excited. I, Bill's Mafia is going to be absolutely electric. Uh, they have been wanting this rematch for quite some time now in the playoffs, and the fact that it's now on their turf, uh, they are going to take advantage of that. And, I mean, it. you know, Chiefs better watch out because they are going to have all sorts of wild things thrown at them on the sidelines. And uh, security is recommending that Taylor Swift does not come to the game. That's how wild it is. Um, <laughs> I'm, dude, that's not a joke. I read this article about this this morning. So what? The, the, no, li- no, listen to this. Quick side story, but it... It, it, it connects. It's it fine. Plays anything, into, anything, it, play, it plays uh, into the narrative of how wild this game is. Oh, wait, first off, I want to say this really quick. Anything Taylor Swift-related is NFL-related this season, so go ahead. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, okay, anyways. So, there's where they're building the new Bills stadium, right, is considered the pit, is what they're calling it right now, because it's just a giant dirt pit, right? (laughs) And it's pretty self-explanatory. Anyways, so so somebody somebody fell into that pit and died. Oh, Jesus Christ. After after their week 12 or 13 win, when they were, sorry, lost, when they were Six and six. This one fell in there and died. Ever since then, they're undefeated. So, oh my, okay, that's this, very weird. So that's very weird. So I, reading, I, I don't know how comfortable I, I feel reading, with that. No, no, no. So I was reading an article this morning saying that Bills fans were wanting. <laughs> they were thinking that. A sacrifice into the pit oh, is needed no. to keep the wind streak going, so they wanted to throw <laughs> Taylor in there. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh push. my god! Say what you want, say, bro. Say what you want hell. about Taylor, but that is, but that is awful. That's um, ridiculous. I love Bill's <laughs> Mafia, but that's too damn far. That's yeah, too damn far, bro. So call Philadelphia bad, right? <laughs> oh my yeah, right. god. Yeah. Oh yeah, seriously. my god, um, man! I don't, I don't know. I don't know how true that is. Um, I know. I know that a woman did die falling into that pit. What, Shane? The, why does the, it the sound? Split, why, why did? Sorry, Shane. Why does the, it sound like a not the not the onion article? Like this sounds dude, that right? nuts. <laughs> oh lord! The part that I'm not sure about is like. Bill's Mafia wanted to sacrifice Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh my god! Oh um, man! So do with that what you will. But I, I don't uh, know. What am I gonna do with that? Oh my god! Wow. Know. But anyways, so that this, so this that, that just podcast, goes to show you how man. wild it's gonna be. Oh my god! Uh, okay, um, I, I'm like kind of stunned. I'm kind of shook. I don't really know how to move to uh, Brandon's opinion on the game without saying. Uh, I'm very confused and conflicted. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, Brandon, your thoughts? By the way, on... that that is not um, that is not how I feel about this. Okay, uh, just so that everybody knows, I do not I do not support uh, killing Taylor Swift for the Bills. <laughs> that, that sounds like a horrible that, idea. That, that would be very messed up. Um, I just was reporting what I saw. Anyways, continue. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a report. 
That's a Shane Hansen report. Um, oh my God. <laughs> what the, okay. How do I move forward on this? Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on chiefs bills, uh, minus the Taylor Swift uh, might or might not be at the game. <laughs> I, I, I'll start this. I'll start the same way. Save us father, Alan. Um, but, but I mean, listen, outside of just the other jokes, I mean, listen, I do really think the bills will win anyway. Just because I, I listen, the Chiefs might have momentum. Yeah, they held Miami to seven. Yeah, they won twenty six seven. But the offense wasn't still wasn't good. They still can't catch a football. Um, they still the can't catch. A fo- Travis Kelsey it's, can't catch right now. I mean, I mean, it's I mean, it's 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 true, and I, I just don't. And especially listen, the, the Kansas City has the better defense. But if if Josh Allen and the Bills come out on fire, like they've basically done for the past, like they did the inverse to Philly. So if they come out on fire like they've been doing the past month and a half, then I don't see how Kansas City stops them because Kansas City can't score enough to keep up with them, right? At least this season, they haven't shown that they can do that. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I just think that if, especially in that cold weather, which makes it even harder to catch. <laughs> so if they already can't catch already, then I know they play, I know they play in cold weather in Kansas City, but regardless you know not buffalo, buffalo weather was, not buffalo weather yeah, that's different but, but, but buffalo buffalo is probably the coldest place to play outside of green bay in, in the nfl um if not the coldest because they get more snow than green bay usually at this at this point at least in the past few years they've been getting more snow than green bay so technically this is this is the literally the worst stadium you can play in <laughs> in the playoffs um but so I just don't like this is like the first time where I think where I honestly think just based on what I've seen of both teams this year and how both teams have kind of come into the playoffs and what both teams strengths and weaknesses are. I, I don't think the Bills beat them by like one score. I think they beat them by like probably two or three. So I and then and because they finally figured out how to use James Cook, which I don't know what took you so long, you know, you know, but that's that's another story for another day. Um you know, if Stefan Diggs gets involved, that's even better. I mean, it's, you, don't, you don't think Stefan Diggs wants this after basically, you know, posting all those pictures the past couple of years of him being defeated after the, the Chiefs games. So, you know, Stefan Diggs is going to want this more than anybody else on that damn team besides Josh Allen. So, you know, I, I really do think just because Kansas City's offense is so bad that I, I just think that, that Buffalo beats him by two scores home, you know, home field advantage better just better offense uh a more uh basically i listen i know mahomes is a great quarterback but in terms of toughness they're they're i mean there's only two quarterbacks in the nfl that are that are the toughest and one of them is my quarterback and then one of them and the other one that i'd probably put even tougher that's or the toughest is josh allen so i mean and then matt stafford too that's another story um but i i just i the bills are just a better team right now they're the hotter team right now. They're the most consistent team, you know, or the more consistent team between the two right now. So, man, if if you know if they continue to do what they got to do, and if they you know can build off of just how they've been rolling, then I, I don't see why they don't they don't beat the Chiefs by two scores. I mean, I know Kansas City will get pressure on Josh Allen. That's just and because they they've seen him enough. This you know Andy Reid has seen him enough. That whole team has seen him enough. They they know what they're in for. Both teams know what they're in for, but the Bills right now, this isn't like Bills Chiefs where both teams are superpowers. This is Bills Chiefs where the Bills are the, uh, clearly the better team. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but I mean, this is, this is where Josh Allen finally gets his revenge and it's deserved, you know, deservedly so. So, and Stefan Diggs too. So, 
And then James Cook, hopefully he goes off because he deserves to be obviously the uh, focal point of that offense like he has been the, the really down the stretch here. So those three things happen, which they should, then, you know, Bills by like a billion. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the Bills there too. They're also the other um, favorites that we already discussed. Uh, let's do the line. Bills Chiefs. Hmm. Bills minus, uh, well, I would say more, but knowing Vegas, it's probably going to be like minus three. Yeah, that, that's that's more or less what I was thinking. I know just because of their their history together and just in the playoffs, you don't really see a lot of blowouts unless it's Packers-Dallas. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. So, so you know, you just, you just playoff games are just never really blowouts. Um, it's not that I can remember, at least in recent history. So, you know, between those two teams, it's just hasn't been that way. So I think I was going to, I was going to go a little bit more. I was going to say maybe just because bills are at home, you already get that. You already get a kind of a point spread. You get a spread advantage there, a line advantage there. So, uh, I mean, Vegas doesn't understand that the chiefs are terrible, but, um, that the bills are rolling. They just see, you know, Bill's Chiefs and Mahomes out, and that's how they do the lines. So I do want to say minus three, but realistically, it should be like Bill's minus like five and a half. But I'll say, but I'll say, I'll say Bill's minus five. Ding, 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 ding. Shane got it right. Bill's minus three. Yeah, that's yeah. stupid, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's do our movie for the week. Our first one of the playoffs The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, 1968. Um, Shane, uh, why did you choose this movie for us as our, this is kind of our crescendo movie. Of course, yeah. Payne's Labyrinth later, uh, in the year, but this was meant to be your crescendo movie. Why was it, uh, your end of season uh, selection? selection? Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's probably, yeah, well, a few reasons. It's, um, it's. For the time it came out, being, you know, kind of a gunslinging Western and um, among other things, it's this was a movie that was. I don't want to say ahead of its time, but it it really took this Western genre and turned it into something that was kind of like mainstream and popular because at that time, of course there'd been a few movies like that here and there, but it was just, you know, kind of low budget, like just crap that was thrown together, not crap, but you know what I mean? And, and then this came along and it, you know, it really cemented Clint Eastwood as a, you know, a big name. And got him going on his directing path. And, you know, I think there are definitely better spaghetti westerns than this one. <laughs> um, I, I think it's a little, I think it's a little long. It's kind of, you know, you can tell they don't really have their footing in this genre quite yet when this came out because most westerns up to this point were very long unnecessarily 
and you can see that here. But I think overall, you know, what this movie does and what it did for the genre and just Hollywood in general uh, is, I, I think it's worth examining for that reason. And, um, you know, this is part of the Fistful of Dollars trilogy, Sergio mm -hmm. Leone, who it was, you know, a very legendary Western guy. I mean, it's like him, Clint Eastwood, and, you know, John Wayne, basically. They're like, when you think of spaghetti Westerns, they're the guys. And, um, you know, you say what you want about them. <laughs> as as people away from their professions um but you know as just as filmmakers they're all pretty well accomplished um so you know anyways i want to hear your guys thoughts though just on i guess this movie but also like the spaghetti western thing in general um, before you do that, can you define for our audience what a spaghetti western is? Because I talked to a bunch of people like, what is a spaghetti western? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So basically when. So when people say western, they always think of, you know, cowboys and like the 1800s, which is not entirely true uh western is not a western it's, it's not a it's not a time period or a set or a setting or whatever it, it's a type of story and that story is you know people on farms and outlaws and you know just things that you think of when you think of like the wild west therefore like you know, Star Wars, the original one, is a Western, by definition. I mean, if you really think about it, because it's... I mean, it sounds stupid, but, like, seriously, you meet Luke, a boy on a farm, and he gets recruited by this old, crazy religious guy, Obi-Wan, to come on this quest with him <laughs> against a tyrannical government. And so they go to this, uh, you know saloon in town uh where there's a bunch of outlaws and they meet this cowboy and his pet and oh he's like yeah i can dude it's a western um which you know sounds crazy but it's true so a spaghetti western in particular is a western that takes place in you know 1800s america uh because it's <clears throat> you know that's like basically it just refers to the time specifically um as opposed to you know the story so uh that's what a spaghetti western is well, it's also it's also it's also a thing because not all of them but most of them were directed by italians so yeah that's <laughs> yeah. how i got the name originally yeah. um yeah which is kind of funny but yeah. Brandon, your thoughts anyways, on the good, the bad, and the ugly, 1968. Well, when I first got hyped for doing this movie, 
I mean, because, uh, you know, growing up, especially my grandfather loved a lot of Westerns, still does. He watches, like, Gunsmoke on TV, and that's also, you know, that's a uh, a great, you know, show to watch if you if you actually ever want to watch Westerns, um, you know. And it's one of those things where, you know, when you think of Westerns, and it's a good thing you brought up, you know, John Wayne, because before Clint Eastwood, it was John Wayne. So, but... The thing is, John Wayne was John Wayne was just, I mean, he was an international star, yeah, but he was still. It was mostly here. Clint Eastwood is the one that made it worldwide. So, you know, when when it comes to, oh my God, my sickness is killing right now. But when it comes to, you know, (laughs) that movie, it's funny because it's like you know people want to talk about that movie, you know, being the like one of the definitive, you know, just not spaghetti western, but western in general. And it's like people always forget the first two in the series because that was the last one of the series. Usually when you think of like, you know, definitive movies, you'll think about like the first or second movie in a long series, never the last one. So, you know, it's it's kind of funny how that how that goes. But um, but when I think about, you know, this movie, like, yeah, it was I, I got hyped for it. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is like really long. (laughs) <laughs> but i was like like like, like especially like i got towards the end and i'm like oh my god i'm falling asleep like i'm like this movie could have ended an hour ago or even an hour and a half ago and i would have been fine but oh i was like man this is this is long but this is another one of those movies remember how we were talking about like how there is a lot said just by you know the look or the body language of somebody you know we were saying that for what was it what movie was that we were saying that for Place beyond the bones. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot, you know. There's a lot you could say by body language or by or by look, and oh, and and um, uh, uh, what's it called? No Country for Old Men, the other western. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's you know that's kind of how westerns are too. A lot of it is very much intensity just by body language and just eye movement and things like that. That's just kind of what what's commonplace for that genre, but. You know, especially in this one. But I mean, you know what's funny about this one is like, you know, a lot of westerns have a little bit of comedy in them. You know, but it's like this. This was this was actually kind of funny because this one was there was plenty of comedy in this because Clint Eastwood had a you know obviously his one liners are pretty good. Um, you know, and it just I mean, who can forget the iconic? You know, it, it's become that that soundtrack has become, or especially the main theme has become ingrained in American and not American American history, but just worldwide. Everybody knows the you know the See, I was I was gonna I was gonna ask that because whenever I hear a Western I always hear those sounds. Is that all those sounds come from this movie? Yeah. yeah oh my god, yeah. no way. Really? Damn. And, and and actually if you know anything about Clint Eastwood, it's not just this, but he was basically the one of the stars of Rawhide. And Rawhide is a is a Western classic TV show. So and Rawhide has a lot of memorable, you know, music and and you know kind of score things that go into that. So he was already kind of you know famous in the U.S. before this with the great show in Rawhide, but this series is what made him put him over the top. So, but with this movie, I mean, you know, my grandfather always used to say, you know, when it comes to westerns, like. He loves them because they're realistic. There's still a lot of things in this movie that are not realistic. Like there, there's right. like the like the the one scene where the cannonball shoots through the through the building and knocks you know both them off the 
you know, knocks Clint Eastwood off the platform and down to the ground. And, you know, obviously the, you know, knocks Tuco, you know, they bury him under the rubble. It's like, if that really happened in real life, both of them would have been dead. So it's like, you know, that, that, that's not realistic, but there's some of the things that are, are, you know, but I mean, for its time, you know, the gunfights were considered, you know, great for their time. Um, you know, it, it looks funny. You know, some of the editing is, is obviously funny and wonky, but you got to realize this was before, this is even before 1970. This was 1968. Yeah, 68. So, you know, so you got to think about the time period it came from too. So, you know, the, the editing, you know, wasn't great to begin with. The budget but... was like 900 grand or something. <laughs> Jesus, really? Yeah. Wow. Which, which actually for its time, that was expensive. That was really expensive for its time. Extremely yeah. expensive for its time. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the standoff at the end is what people remember a lot about the movie too. Um, and what's funny, my favorite, honestly, my favorite scene in the movie, cause I think it had the most amount of emotion was the scene between Tuco and his brother, Pablo. Uh, when he, you know, go, when obviously when he's bringing Clint Eastwood into the, uh, or, you know, bringing, uh, Blondie into the, uh, you know, kind of like what that mission, that mission to, you know, get him to heal up and he meets up with his brother and it's like, you know, it's crazy the kind of life paths that they, that they chose. And and how vehemently know, different they are. They are so different. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, everything about them is different. Their ideology is different. The way they look at life is different. Um, and I think, Rob, you, you were saying, right, when it came to like, oh, you know, the good is Clint Eastwood's character of Blondie like he's not really that good no he's not you know everyone in this movie <laughs> is really bad those three it's main funny. the good the bad and the ugly are Anti-heroes. all bad anti-heroes exactly too, perfect yeah but you gotta realize too for, for that time period all gunslingers were bad Dude, to be a gunslinger and to be an outlaw and all these different things and to be a bounty hunter you had to be ruthless to a degree yeah and you know what what makes him good though I mean He's the only one in the movie that shows compassion at, at certain points. Not, 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 it's very small, but it's like, you know, he's teaming up with, you know, early on in the movie with Tuco to, to, you know, make scores off of, you know, nearly getting him to be hung and he's shooting the rope down. It's like, you know, no other bounty hunters are doing that, shooting a rope down because it's not just because of the money. I mean, that's, that's mainly because of it, but it's also because of his morals. So, you know, he's, you know, they always say, you know, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to Blondie's character, like he's the one where he had the definitive conscience, like where he he you know, listen, he's still a bounty hunter, but he's the one that is you know there's clear definitions of right and wrong, whereas the other two it's just wrong, it's like just wrong all the time. Um, and I mean, if you think about it, like. The only he's the he's one of the few characters I've ever, he might even be the only character, if I can remember the three hour long movie that melted my brain. <laughs> um, of, this of, is why we waited. By the way, this is why I waited like three weeks <laughs> to do this because we were just like this is too damn long. Uh, but continue, Brandon. And, and I think the one thing is that, um, from what I remember from the movie, I could be wrong. From what I remember from most of the movie, he's the only uh, out of the three main characters he's the only one that kind of gets spared by outside forces more or less where you know the re- the rest of them obviously meet their demise in different ways but he's when he's kind of 
put near near death's doorstep something always saves him not so much the other two so um that's true and, yeah and and because and, 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 remember with the cannonball that saves his life when he's you know in the desert technically the before Tuco tries to kill him that wagon passing through with, with the you know with the soldiers in it that saves his life those are all outside forces or at least those two things I came around and there's probably more, but I, those are things I, that stood out immediately to me. Cause in the other one, you know, Tuco gets his life saved, saved by Blondie on more than one occasion. Angel eyes. I mean, he just does what he has to do, but you know, he, he kind of doesn't play into it too much, but he's the one doing the killing. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, there might, he might not be good, but out of the, out of what that era was like for gunslingers and bounty hunters, he is still considered a good guy. Um, but I just, I love it because it's obviously classic Clint Eastwood, but my God, was it long? Like that's what, I mean, if this movie would have been like yeah. saying to us before, Rob, this movie was cut down by like an hour, hour and a half. This would have been probably like a, a nine out of 10 movie for me, but this was like, for me, this is like, and just because of the time period, because it's hard for me to get into Westerns, even though I love this Western it's just hard for me to get into Westerns anyway. I'm still going to give it a higher score. I'm still going to say it's a 7 out of 10. But I, I also said just, 7. That was my thought was a 7. Me too. We were lockstep. Yeah. A 7. Yeah. So I think I think that's where I leave it with, with all that kind of stuff. But it's still it's still a classic movie, classic Western. It's Clint Eastwood's, you know, big, big, you know, reveal to the world. So everything about it is still classic. It's just that it sucked. It was just so long. But that's only, the only real grief I have about it. Yeah, so so a couple of things. My experience with this movie is actually quite fun. First off, I have a lot more negatives than positives, and I still give it a seven. Uh, and and th- there's <laughs> reasons for that. Um, but first off, I think um, actually, wait, I'm I'm gonna try to do this in kind of sequential order because I'm trying to think about how to say about this. But number one is this movie's just fun. For three hours, this movie's mm-hmm. pretty fun. Yeah, like regardless of regardless of the fact that it's too damn long and realistically i think if you were to make this movie today and that was my first initial thought really a lot of my thoughts are the runtime uh because that because overall the actual film doesn't like specific that stands out to me as much i know there's a lot of like really deep things in that film and i get that but um it it made me think about how i watch films a lot i'm gonna get to that but uh for me, it's like I really feel like if you remade this movie today, it's probably like an hour, 30 minute movie. I think fairly easily. Um, but I also have to understand. Well, it's, like- it's interesting because in, in 2006, they made a syndicated cut of this for TV and it was 90 minutes. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Damn, Shane, so, why'd you make us watch the whole yeah. three hours? God damn. I know. I'm kidding. I was thinking about that. I was like, I, uh, yeah, no, yeah, no. To to be honest, though, I feel like if we watched the whole, if we watched an hour and thirty minute version, it would have done this a lot of justice for kind of the points that we're trying to make. So I actually like that we did it, yeah, and true. we and we and we waited to actually talk about it. Um, but also my so uh, two movies that my mom watched as a kid that we watched: Brokeback Mountain and this one. Uh, she watched this as a kid. Um, which is, and it also made me think a lot about the time period too of like, yeah, like they had, didn't have much else to do through a three hour movie, not much else to do, but you get my point. Like a three hour movie kind of makes sense for this era. Um, but I also, my funniest comment was, holy shit, this is longer than Zack Snyder's Justice League. 
This movie feels like so much longer than that movie. And that movie, I've watched it twice. First time I watched it in a three-hour sitting. This one I watched in two sittings. Good, the bad, and the ugly. I watched in two sittings. And then also watched Dexter. It's just like a second time in one sitting. I don't know how I did that, but I did. Um, but anyway, like, Zack Snyder's Justice League is short. Nothing shorter. feels longer than that movie. What? Zack Snyder's Justice League? Yes. This movie's this movie feels twice as long as that movie. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly feels twice as long as Zack Snyder's Justice League. To me. It feels so <laughs> much longer. And I don't know if it's just action or pacing or the fact that there's chapters... And Brandon, you and I were talking about like the pacing for this movie. That's a huge problem because obviously yeah. nowadays pacing is a big thing. Um, but also, I like I don't like I I I don't know. Like I just felt like and and the funniest comment I made I think during this whole film is that they had a what's called in Western a quote unquote Mexican standoff to finish the movie, which is obviously an excellent yeah. way to finish a Western. But god damn, they were staring at each other for 10 minutes. Just <laughs> stare, <know>. stare. <laughs> and there's 10 minutes of runtime. And this is a great story. It's like four in the morning. There's like 15 minutes left in the movie. I'm like, let's just get this done so I can fall asleep. Let's go. And then for 10 minutes, I'm just watching them stare at each other. It's like, what? What the hell? But that being said, th- that being said, I th- and also the last point I'll make. Is how I got started watching movies is really the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's how I really got my start into like being passionate about movies. And so when I talk to people about movies, I always I always ask the question, and I'll ask you guys this question as well. What is the ideal runtime for a movie for you guys? Uh Shane, you go first. Uh, that depends on a lot of things uh, you, okay I, it, I i understand I, mean, I understand but i'm saying if you go to a, a movie theater any movie right what what would be like okay this yeah. is the runtime i would like the most i guess i know it's super broad mm. and it doesn't make a lot of sense but just go with it generally like two hours okay brandon your thoughts on this i've yeah you know, I was going to say probably around the same for me when I go to the movies, I, I want a movie not because an hour and a half is that's only really for comedies and kind of really just shorter kind of movies. So I don't care about that stuff. But when it comes to like a, any movies I really want to see, I'm a big action guy, horror guy, all that kind of stuff. So I like for me, the sweet spot is like a minute, a minute, an hour, 45 to maybe slightly over two hours. See, my ideal movie length is two hours, 30 minutes. No more. No. Even, more is fine. You can do three hours. Less, I hate. Two hours, 30. 100%. Without a question. And that is probably the weirdest part for me about this movie. This movie is my ideal runtime for a movie, essentially. And I thought it was insanely long. You know what's, you know what's funny about runtime, too, is that, like, you know, remember when the Batman came out and everybody was saying how long it was? Batman didn't feel like three hours. Shane, I think you have a different opinion about that. Well, I know, I know Shane does. I, I just think when I sat there, I didn't have to go to like the bathroom by the end of it, like where I was, it was killing me. So I was like, no, this is three hours. This is pretty good for me. I like this. 
Uh, but but no, Shane. Continue I, continue I've your thought on that. It. And sorry, Shane. Continue your thought on the Batman, and then continue your thoughts on just like overall runtime, because I think you'd have more expertise than Brandon and I would. But go ahead. I have more than you, but <laughs> um, but thank you for thinking so highly of me. <laughs> um, I <laughs> no, I think, and this is I mean this is how I feel more or less but this is also like if you ask most people this is generally the answer you're going to get is that for a feature length movie anywhere from an hour 30 to two hours 30 is like what people expect and are okay with uh and you know anything less than that people are like okay well why bother and anything more than that it's like turned into a miniseries. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. And, which, you know, that's fine. If you, if your movie or if your story, whatever it is, needs to be longer than two and a half hours, that's great. Just turn it into a movie or a, a TV series. Um, the Because the issue is, I've never, like, personally, I've never seen a movie longer than two hours and 30 minutes where I was like, yeah, no, that should have been that long. That was justified. I'd never, not once. Longest movie I've seen where I thought the runtime was valid was Avengers Infinity War, which was two hours and 29 minutes on the dot. And that that didn't ever feel like it was dragging or where I was like, eh, that scene didn't really need to be there because there's so many characters, so many plot lines, a lot of action. So like, yeah, it works. Um, and it's, and it's entertaining the whole time, but you know, like in Avengers Endgame, which was three hours. That's like, do we really need, a scene of Hulk dabbing at kids in a diner. I mean, like, (laughs) 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 you know, with the three hour runtime, I was like, okay, this better be the, and no, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some stuff that obviously it's going to be a longer runtime because again, like infinity War, all the characters and yada, yada, yada. But it's like, do we need that? Or like, do we really need the scene of, Hulk handing Ant Man some tacos. I oh, love like, that scene. Damn it! <laughs> or like, or does, or you know, like the introduction to Thor. Like, does that really need to be as long as it is? I mean, I, I'll, I'll you know, also, like, I'll, it's just. Also, really quickly, yeah, I want to say something about Endgame. I don't think of Endgame as a three-hour movie, and here's the reason: the final battle is a fucking hour long. I've rewatched oh the final gosh, battle so I I've watched the final battle by itself so many times. It's extremely watchable by itself if you know what's going on, obviously. But like that final bat to me that yeah. movie to me that movie is two hours and an hour long fight. That's the movie. To me, that's how I view that movie. See, that's yeah, and I, I think that's the popular opinion there. Um or kind of the consensus. Yeah. Um, 
Which I get, but I, yeah, <laughs> I, I did not, um, I don't know, that, that, our fight too, was also, I was like, this doesn't need to be this long. <laughs> this, there's so much, there was so much stuff in that hour that could have been cut and should have been. Um, because you know, after a while, there's just there's no like there's no stakes. It's just a after fight. a while because it's just, just an hour long MCU fight. That's all it is. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just people running around in front of a green screen. It's like okay, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Let's let's have something happen here, you know. Um, but but anyways, and then you know, then finally something does happen when. Thanos gets the gauntlet back, and then he literally punches Captain Marvel out of the movie. Um, and which is true, by the way, when he punches her with the Power Stone and she flies off screen, she never appears again. So Thanos quite literally <laughs> punched her out of the movie, um, which is kind of funny. Uh, also, but anyway, Shane, I love I love how our opinions on Endgame. I don't know what your feelings are on it, Brandon, but I would love to hear you chime in on this really quickly. I, I think. My opinion on Endgame after watching it twice is that it's just, it's the definition of an MCU, um, what is it? An MCU, like, fan service movie Flop. for two hours. No, it's an MCU fan service movie for two hours, and it's an hour-long fight. It's not a, it's a C-plus movie yes. to me. Yes, serving the fans by boring us to tears? God. <laughs> Brandon, you're... That movie you're... is trash. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think it's trash. I just think it's like a C plus. Yeah, it is. Brandon, your thoughts? <laughs> you know, when I <laughs> when I, when I think of you know Marvel stuff, and I'll keep it kind of short because I know I've been long winded all night despite being sick. Um, but you know, I, I feel like ever since the Captain America, like the Winter Soldier, and like his series kind of came out, that's all MCU has been is fan service. So, like when I look at you know that series on i'm like yeah this is all just fan service and i'm like that's good to a degree it's cool to a degree but it's like eh, where's the real story here um and that's kind of why i'm like ugh when i when i think about like how bloated the mcu movies are but you know but still i i went to see endgame when it came out um so and i remember it was cool i got to see the whole you know the whole movie all the way through and then you know, obviously everybody's, you know, bursting to go to the bathroom afterwards because the movie's too damn long and the damn <laughs> hour-long battle. Everybody's like, get it, get it over with already. Come on, today, today, today. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where I look at just the MCU. This is why, you know, people are like, oh, you're not an MCU fan. Like, people like, look, it's like MCU has become like, or at least the, all that stuff has become like the new Disney. Well, Disney was always big, but it's become the new Disney where it's like, and it is, you know, and where it's just like, man, if you're like, if you're not watching it, people are like, oh, how could you not watch it? I'm like, simple. I don't want to sit through 7,000 three hour movies. <laughs> which is but, which is <laughs> what I did during the pandemic. But, like, you know, I listen, I love movies, but and I, there's certain ones I will make an exception to. But see, that's why I like Batman for three hours, because 
it wasn't just fan service. It had a story. Everything was, you know, for the most part, not everything, but everything was connected. Like, it, there was reason to, like, sit there for three hours and watch it. There's no, like, if you've seen one MCU movie, you've seen them, pretty much all of them. So, like, it's, it's just, God, it's like, it's such a long movie for no reason, whereas Batman had a reason to be long. Um, at least in my opinion. Um, but God, like, <laughs> it's, uh, I could go on and about it, but, but that's just, I mean, run times are run times. Although, although I will say this to bring it right back to our, our Western discussion, you guys want a good Western. This is for either you two or, or anybody listening. And you guys probably know what I'm going to say. 310 to Yuma. I haven't seen Watch it yet. It. Fuck. Yeah. I got to watch it. Listen, you want a nice two hours. And that movie is exactly two hours. So it's, it's not short and it's not too long. It's just right. That movie has beautiful pacing. The acting of Christian Bell, Russell Crowe is phenomenal. I love that movie. And that's crazy. I decided to watch it. Cause like, Oh, you know, it's two lead actors that I like. And I'm like, I've never heard of this movie. I heard of like the, the original movie back in the fifties, but but the remake, I was like, you know what, I'll watch this, sure. Because I'm like, no one talks about this Western. Like, you know, because this was a, a Western in the 50s. So I was like, okay, let's let's watch it. I sat there. I was not bored by it one bit. It was fun. The action was fun. The drama and emotion of it was great. It was beautifully acted, beautifully cast. I don't have a single problem with that movie. It's probably one of my favorite movies that I've seen in the past five, ten years. I love that damn movie. So, and there's a reason why, you know, critics gave it like a... You know, the critics that were surveyed on it gave it like a 90% positive review. Like, and everybody that, that talks about it has nothing but, you know, glowing things to say about it. But that's, listen, if you want to get away from the three-hour run times of every single movie, that's a big blockbuster at this point. And you want to watch a nice, you know, Western, if you feel like it. I know people don't watch Westerns like that anymore. But if you don't want to watch Good, Bad, and the Ugly, watch the remake of 310 to Yuma. It's probably the, not only is it the best modern Western in the past, you know, the 20, really in the 21st century, because Westerns don't really exist anymore. There is some, but that one is probably my favorite Western ever. So I'll leave it at that. Speaking of that, Brandon, what is your pick? Students picks for movies. Well, we already know mine's going to be Booksmart coming up in Commerce Championship Week. What are we doing next week, Brandon? Oh, you want me to give you the, the 10 and then you guys kind of whittle it down? Or you sure. want me to just give you like three? Or whatever. Uh, Shane, what would you well, prefer? I gave you my pick. Yeah, but, I you know, gave I you wanna... guys my pick. Yeah, but I just want to see if we can if we can kind of come to a consensus. So, so the picks I have. So these. Okay, so it's going to be American Gangster, another Russell Crowe movie. Um, but American Gangster is great. Um, I, 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 I that's a long movie though. So once again, long runtime, but that movie doesn't feel like it to me. So American Gangster. Donnie Brasco, Johnny Depp, another great kind of crime movie. Uh, Roadhouse, which is a classic, you know, but still it's a classic Patrick Swayze movie. Um, My Cousin Vinny, I love Joe Pesci. That's funny. I mean, Jersey Boy makes sense. Um, the Machinist, uh, I love that movie. Another another Christian Bale movie. Um, the first John Wick, which I know people, certain people have feelings about John Wick. Um, <laughs> but... But I love like who. <laughs> uh, then we have Shane's pick, and honestly, this is this might end up just being the one we do. Shutter Island. Uh, Shutter Island. 
Yeah. Shutter Island because it's fantastic. And then it is um, incredible. And but I, I want to give these movies. I'm mad shine. I didn't pick it. I'm I, mad I, I didn't give, pick it. I want to give these movies their fair shine. And then so the next the last two are is a movie. These two are kind of lesser known, but uh, it's more of a cyber kind of action, uh, body horror ish to a degree kind of movie. It's called Upgrade. Um, and I like that movie a lot. It's funny. Action's pretty good. Um, story is kind of eh, but I like it a lot. Uh, and then the last one's called Ides of March, which is a political kind of movie, political drama movie. But, uh, I think that's Ryan Gosling, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. So, uh, out of those 10, what are you guys doing? Uh, I guess it would be Shane's pick because I haven't seen any of those. So, <laughs> well, what do you? What would you want to watch, Robert? I'm a, I'm okay with Shutter Island. I know that it's a movie that has been on my list personally for a while. I think we could have a great conversation with that. Leo DiCaprio sounds really good to me. If you guys are down with that, oh yeah, another and Martin Scorsese one too. And we talked about the MCU and Mark Ruffalo's in it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, ben King's too. How long is this movie? What's the runtime? Uh, it's about two two hours fifteen minutes. Two hours eighteen. Yeah, that's that's is that the shortest yeah. Martin Scorsese movie ever? Probably. It might be. <laughs> oh my god! Is my god! Is it? Is it like that movie could have gone on? That's another movie I could have gone on for three hours and I would have been fine. So oh. I love Shutter Island. Shutter Island is probably is such a good movie. It's yeah, such a good movie. Let's do it. I'm down for that. I think it's I, probably my it's probably my favorite Scorsese movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm down for that. Shutter Two hours, eighteen minutes. Uh, nice. Uh, I'm reading like a thriller mystery movie. Let, yeah, I'm down with that. Let's do it. Yeah, you guys, you guys all. I know Shane and I love it, but Rob, you'll love that. You'll yeah. I, I'm I'm sure you will because. A, it's DiCaprio. B, Scorsese. It's got a great cast, but the the twist and turns that it takes you on throughout the movie and it, it messes with your head. So it's it's really good. It's it's like it's like it's like it's a less forward version of Inception, with the mind bending. Oh, stuff, that's but... fun. That's fun. I like that. So uh, so, Mar- so Martin yeah. Scorsese movies, right? Listed on on Google, right? You know, Killers of the Flower Moon, Goodfellas, Irishman, Wolf of Wall Street, Shutter Island, The Departed. All your usual stuff, right? You scroll through this list, you know what's on here? That's definitely not a Martin Scorsese movie. <laughs> Shark Tale, two thousand. Shark Tale, two thousand four. Hell. <laughs> why is why does he have credit for that? I don't freaking know. I bet be a bug on Google, but I'll I'll prove it to you guys really quick so you can see. Um, no, which, I believe you. Which but... by, which by the way is a movie I do need to rewatch. Um, at some point, uh, but yeah, it's right there. It's a dumb yeah. movie, but like in a good way. Yeah, I'm I gotta lie. I I forgot about The Departed, but that actually is probably my favorite Scorsese movie. Yeah, it's between we... it's between Departed and Shutter Island for me for Scorsese yeah. movies. Things things to know: Shark Tale is based on The Godfather. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. It actually it is. is. It actually is? Yeah. Somewhat, part, part somewhat, of it is, yeah, part of it. No, the I shark like... thing, yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, wait, Martin Scorsese's in the cast. That's why. Okay, I forgot about that. But yeah. Hmm. Uh. Anyway, I do think that's, that's funny. pretty funny. Um. 
but yeah, uh, let's do Shutter Island. Uh, that sounds great to me. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks, Shane. Thanks, Brandon. And uh, we'll see you all on Sunday for uh, Divisional yep, Weekend. See you. Yes, mm. sir. Take care, everybody. Have a great night, everyone.